So the psalmist starts out with, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Verse 1 and 2 are starting out looking at what we called input. As the preaching team kind of talked about it, we said these verses are about input. What are we putting into ourselves? And blessed means supremely happy or fulfilled. So when you see the word blessed in the Bible, you, you should have this feeling of this is a desire to be happy and fulfilled. And God provides that for us. Blessed or happy or fulfilled is the person who doesn't consider the counsel of the wicked, isn't instructed by the counsel of the wicked. Now, this is kind of an interesting word, isn't it, when we wrestle with this idea of the counsel of the wicked. Now, if you grew up in the church, the idea that there are people who are wicked and actually oppose the things of God and are actually in that category that we would call wicked is maybe not foreign to you. But if you're new in your journey in your faith, and if you're new in exploring who Jesus is, trying to think of the idea that people are actually wicked and can think wicked thoughts and do wicked things sometimes is hard for us. We like to think that people have done bad things, but the word wicked kind of makes us feel a little uncomfortable sometimes. But the reality is that there are people that are in that category of being wicked and that they are Um, seeking the things that are opposed to God, and those people will come into our lives, and the psalmist is saying, don't consider their counsel. It doesn't mean don't, don't have interactions with them and don't care for them. He's not saying that. He said, just don't put yourself under their counsel. Just don't put yourself in, have the input be primarily from them because they're going to lead you in a wrong way. And so there are people in our lives who oppose the things of God and the things that God loves. And there are people that we know that will oppose those things. And he's just saying, don't seek their counsel. They're not the place to go to find blessedness and happiness. Don't stand with them in their conduct. Don't, don't stand with them as, in the ways that they do things. Again, I used to work in a prison, so I knew a lot of guys that were probably in a category that you might call wicked. And it didn't mean that those guys that I didn't care for them, it didn't mean that I didn't try to minister to them, but I wasn't going to seek their counsel about how to know and understand who God was. Now, I'm going to tell you the great story was there was a number of those men that came to faith in Jesus Christ, and I would seek their counsel because they were now being filled with the spirit of the living God and were growing in their faith and had some wisdom and some counsel to give me. But what the psalmist is simply saying is, that's not where you're going to find it. That's not where you're going to find this blessing. He's saying, blessed is the man who doesn't do this, who doesn't sit with those who scoff against God, the one who rails against God and talks about how he doesn't exist or how horrible he is or you fill in the blank. And the one who just speaks against him over and over, he says, don't sit in their counsel. Don't go to them in order to try try to understand life. That's not the place. So he starts with the negative. He says, blessed, that's the positive, but blessed, the negative, is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. He's kind of covering the whole gamut there. Counsel of the wicked, stands in the way of sinners, sits in the seats of scoffers, he says, that is not the place you want to get the input for having a blessed life. Here's where you get it. He says in verse 2, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates on it day and night. He says, this is where you'll find it. 
And again, now this might sound like, hey, you know, we know this and we've heard this a thousand times. But today, as we start a new year, I think it's a good chance for us to reflect upon this question, am I delighting in the law of the Lord? Am I meditating on it in such a way that it is helping me to be firmly rooted? And this is what we want to unpack today, is that there are two different ways. There is a way where I can get counsel and hear voices, and it's not just from individual people, but it can be places like the media, social media, all of that kind of stuff. There's a lot of pressure for us to be hearing voices that are contrary to what God says. And then God says, if you want to find delight and happiness, this is where you'll find it, by delighting in my word and in my law. So in verse 2, the law of the Lord in Psalms usually is referring to the entire word of God. So when we're talking about the law, when the psalmist is saying that, he's talking about the entirety of God's word. Here's how one commentator says it. What makes you happy? What gets you excited? This is a good way to see what is important to you. That's just a good place to start. What is it that you're passionate about? This is a good way to see what's important to you. If personal pleasure is the only thing that makes you happy, then you're selfish and being self-centered. If being with your family or friends delights you, that can be better, but it still falls short. The righteous person finds his delight in the law of the Lord. I wrestled with that this week. You know, I always tell you guys that you only have to hear this for 30 minutes. I had to wrestle with it all week long, right? And I wrestled with that and, and had to wrestle with what makes me happy? What gets me excited? Is the law of the Lord on the top of that list? That's a good question for all of us to wrestle with. And I'm being honest with you that I wrestle with that question. I'd love to tell you every day that that's the truth. Many days it is the truth. Then there's other days where the cares of life and the busyness of things, and I find myself going, oh, you know what's going to make me happy today is a nap. <laughs> a nap's going to make me happy today. You know what's going to make me happy today? That bill to get paid off. You know what's going to make me happy today? Maybe it's to spend some time with my family. The list, it's endless, right? But it's the law of the Lord, the word of God, is where the true delight and happiness comes from. And we can know that and hear that. It's hard to wrestle with that and make that go deep in our soul. Here's what Charles Spurgeon says. Man must have some delight, some supreme pleasure. His heart was never meant to be a vacuum. If not filled with the best things, it will be filled with the unworthy and disappointing. I thought that was a great way to say it. If not filled with what's best, it's going to be filled with something, and many of those things will be unworthy and disappointing. We can assess some of the condition of our heart based on how we answer this question. Do I delight in God's word? Now remember, I'm always a, I always say I'm a preacher of good news. I have good news in this today. But this is a good question that will help us assess some of the condition of where we're at right now in our own journeys. Do I delight in God's law? Do I delight in his word? Because he who delights in it finds happiness and blessing in it, the Bible tells us. That's what we're looking at today. He who delights in it will find happiness and blessing and, and will desire it and will desire to meditate on it day and night and to think about it and to ponder it. You know, in Eastern meditation, the idea is to empty your mind. In biblical meditation, the idea is to fill it with the Word of God. 
to take it and say, man, there's a lot of junk in there, so I've got to clear out some of that, not to clear it out and be empty, but to clear that stuff out so I can fill it with the Word of God. Because I've got all kinds of things churning. I'm a, I'm a think-too-much person. You don't have to raise your hands, but I'm sure some of you are think-too-much people. You've been told that. My whole life I've been told that. My brain's always going. It never stops. It's always cluttered. <laughs> and I want to clutter it with the right things. And sometimes they get cluttered with all the wrong stuff, and I want it to be filled with the thoughts of God and the Word of God so that I can meditate on it and think about it and ponder it. So he says we're blessed if we do this. We're blessed when we ponder his word. We're blessed when we meditate on it, when we fill our mind with it, when we brood over it, when we wrestle with it. The word of God is something to be wrestled with as well. If you're wrestling with some things with the word of God, that's awesome. I want you to hear as your pastor, like, I'm, I'm glad that you're wrestling. I always say I never have a problem when people are wrestling with God. It's when they get out of the ring that I'm concerned. But if you stay in the ring and you're wrestling with God, God's going to win. So you wrestle with him, and you wrestle with his word, and that's a good place to be. But you're, you're pondering, meditating on it, filling your mind with it, brooding over it, wrestling with it. You'll be blessed, it says. It says we're blessed when, when we think hard and deep about it. It's something to think hard and deep about. We're blessed when we find happiness, when it convicts us of our sin. You know what? If you wrestle with God's word, he's going to show you some stuff in your life. Don't be afraid of that. It should be just the opposite. I should be excited about that because I want to know what that stuff is so that I can deal with it and address it and let him help me to change it. So we're blessed and we can find happiness when it convicts us. We're blessed and we'll find happiness when it reminds us of the remedy for that sin. You see, one of the reasons this is important for me to be convicted of my sin is because when I'm convicted of my sin, I'm reminded of the remedy of my sin that there is a gracious Heavenly Father who's going to show me grace and mercy. But if I don't remember my sin, I sometimes forget that he's going to show me grace and mercy. So we're blessed when we're reminded of our sin because then we know that I need to seek forgiveness and he's going to grant that. One of the beautiful things about the gospel, right, is that whenever true repentance occurs, God always forgives. Isn't that amazing? He always forgives. God never says, no, no. This is number 986,000 <laughs> on that particular thing. No, he forgives. He's gracious. He's merciful. I can come to him and say, all right, here I am again. I need your mercy and your grace. And I'm asking for your forgiveness. And he offers it. And we are blessed. And we'll find happiness when we understand that from his word. We're blessed and we'll find happiness when the word brings us hope and comfort in our time of need. We have gone through a lot of loss here at our church just in the last few weeks, and it's been shocking loss. We've had three people who have passed away just in the last uh, week and a half. And then you have Michael Murdoch's dad who just passed away. Our, our, our church body has been touched by loss. I, I just was sharing that. I, I had a friend from um, a previous church, a guy my age, who just passed away from COVID just this week. Good friend. Shocked. But his family and the losses that we've experienced here, those families all stand on the hope and comfort in this time of need. A hope and comfort that comes from the Word. What, what do I stand on? Just some, just some mystical thinking about some life that's beyond here? No, I can tell you a great deal about what that's about. 
Because God's Word says it and shows it to us. I was going through a Bible reading plan, and you know, at the end of the year, right, we're getting to the end of Revelation, and there's a great picture of the new heaven and the new earth and the great picture of the throne where there's no more sin and no more death and no more dying and no more sickness. I stand on that. Why? Because God's Word says it. So we're blessed and we find happiness when we look into His Word during our time of need. We are blessed and we'll find happiness when the Word shows us how we're supposed to live and how we're supposed to treat one another. I got to tell you, you're going to benefit if I'm in the Word and being obedient to how I'm supposed to treat you, right? That's going to be a good thing for you. I always tell people, like, when my wife is obedient to the Word, that's helpful to me. When I'm obedient to the Word, she's going to be blessed by that, right? And so when we're being obedient to the Word and pondering the Word, we're going to find blessing and happiness because it's going to show us how we're supposed to interact with one another in a way that's a godly way, in a way that will bless all of us. We're blessed and we'll find happiness when the, world, when the Word reveals to us the character and the nature of God Himself. God Himself, the God of the universe, you can know Him. And you can know His character, and you can know what He is like, and you can know how he interacts with the world and with you by the word. And you're going to be blessed and you'll find happiness when you're in the word and you see that and you know what kind of a God he is and you can go, wow, that's the God who loves me. That's the God who I can rest in. That's the God who I can trust. And, and then it goes on to tell us that when we fix our mind on all of that, on that truth, We're going to be blessed and we're going to find happiness because it gets deeply into our hearts and it transforms us into the picture of verse 3. So verse 3 tells us, how does all this benefit us? So when that's happening, when I'm I'm seeking his word and I'm, I'm seeking the law of the Lord and I'm meditating on it day and night and I'm letting it get deeply into my soul, it says, then we're like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. And its leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. That's what it's like when we do this. We're like a tree planted by streams of water, streams of nourishment. And the picture is simply of, think of a big tree by a little stream. I don't know if any of you get to South Dakota very often. My dad's originally from the south part of South Dakota, the southeastern part. And it's pretty much farmland down there, right? few years ago, we had a reunion to go back to the old farm site, and there are some massive, massive cottonwood trees in this flat area that's just like all farmland, but they're right by the river. And because they're by the river, their roots go really deep, and they get all the nourishment that they need, and these trees, I mean, we're talking massive, like we tried to stand like four people around them, you know, and hold hands. Massive trees that have stood firmly and have survived all that a South Dakota weather can bring, all the drought and all the freezing cold and all of that kind of stuff, all the wind, they've never tipped over. They have withstood it because they have gone deep with their roots and they find the nourishment that they need. And he wants us to see that picture of a tree by a stream that's getting all the nourishment that it needs, constant nourishment, It's the source of vitality of the tree is not the tree itself. It's the roots that go down to get the nourishment. Like the tree itself is not 
where the vitality comes from. It's from the nourishment that the tree gets. And the tree gets it from this stream of water. And it's deeply rooted, so it gets all that nourishment, even in times of when it's dry, even in times when it seems like there's no nourishment for the rest of the landscape, that tree with its deep roots will get it. And then it says, this tree will also bear fruit. This tree doesn't, doesn't just survive. It bears fruit. This is how one commentator put it, but in the life of the righteous man, God brings forth something good and wonderful out of everything. That's good news. Because I've been through some hard things. You've been through some hard things. You want to know that when you're rooted in God's word and you're rooted in Christ, you want to know that God can bring forth something good even out of the hard things that you're going through. The commentator goes on to say, even tough circumstances bring forth something that shall prosper. Even tough circumstances bring forth something that shall prosper. You see, this tree is planted. It's planted in the right thing. It's getting nourishment from the right place, and it will stand, and it will produce a fruit, and it does not wither, and all that it does, it will prosper. And in the same way he's saying for us, there will be a prosper prosperity that comes from it, and the prosperity is that God will work through it and will do something good from it, and something good will come from it. That's good news, because I don't want to think that all the trials and struggles that I go through have no meaning or purpose. They have meaning and purpose, and God is producing and doing something. My job is to stand firm in his word and to trust him, and the only way I can trust him in all of this is to be deeply rooted in his word and know his character and know that that's the kind of God he is, that he is going to work in these ways. He is going to bring things together for good. And that's good news. And so standing firm isn't, today isn't about, I'm going to guilt you into reading your Bible. <laughs> what I want to do today is just to present a passion for you and I to say it's in God's word that I'm going to find out who he is and I'm going to have something to stand firmly on when things get hard and when all of the things of life comes my way. I can stand firmly on the word of God and that word shows me who he is. That's the point of it, to know who he is and what he desires of me and the way of salvation. And then it goes on and it finishes up with this. The wicked are not so not like a tree planted with deep roots that bears fruit. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. They're like, like chaff is like if you've ever seen a combine go through and it combines, you know, uh, um, harvests the grain, and out the back comes the chaff, the leftover of that little kernel. And if you've ever been around it and worked in it, it's just dust, right? And when the wind is blowing, it blows and it's uncontrollable. And he said, the wicked are so, they're like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, will not stand, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So what he's doing in this last couple of verses, he's giving a warning. And sometimes as preachers, it's easy for us to either go too heavy on the warning side or too light on the warning side. I want to be consistent with what the scriptures teach. And what the passage is saying, there is a warning here for us. But there's also an invitation. 
There's a warning that the wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor the sinners in the congregation of the righteous. They won't be able to, to stand there with any kind of confidence, and they won't be in the congregation of the righteous. Because the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And he's inviting us to take the way of the righteous and to turn away from the way that will lead to judgment. There's a gospel thread in here, right here. And, and simply this, this, this is a righteousness that comes not from our behavior, not from gritting our teeth and trying hard. It's a righteousness that comes from Christ. And we were just, Amy was just praying about it and, and, and commenting on it in her prayer that there's a righteousness that comes from Jesus himself being poured into us. And I can only know about that righteousness through the word. And as I study the word, I understand that that righteousness comes from Christ. His spirit helps me to respond to that. And now all of a sudden, the righteousness of Jesus now dwells in me. And this warning is no longer something that I'm afraid of. It reminds me to make sure that I continue to walk in the word. But the Lord knows the way of the righteous. The Lord knows your heart. The Lord knows where you're at with him. And it isn't perishable. <laughs> it, it will not go away. It is like that tree that is deeply rooted. And what this passage also reminds us of here at the end, that God cares about the righteous. God cares about his people. God cares about those who have chosen to seek after him. And, and he says, I want to bless you, and I want to make you happy, and, and I want you to find joy and contentment and peace and all that comes with that, but here's how you find it. It's not on your condition, not on you deciding how you're going to get it. He said first, in this chapter, it's to be rooted in the Word of God. Next week, we're going to see that it's going to be about being under the rule and reign of the King, but being firmly established in the Word of God, meditating on it, having your roots go deep, Desiring to be obedient to it. Now, the question is, what do we do with all of this? My, my desire today was to lay this kind of a theological foundation of the importance of being rooted in the Word of God, and then to apply it with some just really basic application as we think about, how do I do this? Because my guess is that most of us this morning are going to say, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I should be rooted and deeply um, stable and standing firm in the Word of God. But man, sometimes the day goes by and I'm like, whoa, did I even think about God's Word today? Sometimes a week goes by. Sometimes several weeks go by. And we ask ourselves that question. I didn't read my Bible today. I didn't think about God's Word. I didn't meditate on it. I didn't process it at all. So what I want to do as we wrap up is just to give us some practical ideas about how do I then get into this word? If we're saying that I need to be deeply rooted in the word of God, how do I do that? What are some practical ways to do that? And so you'll see up on the screen just a couple of simple ideas. One is to read through the Bible in a year. I, I knew a, a pastor's wife. She was an older, dear saint in the Lord in her 80s. And at that time, and this is over a decade ago, she said, God told me to, 40 years ago, God told me to read through my Bible in a year. And he never told me to stop. So I've done it now for 40 years. <laughs> and I thought that was awesome. And she just committed to reading through the Bible in a year. 
that's just one idea. Another one is to join us in our series of going through um, the Bible. And the week that we're preaching through a book, we're going to encourage you to read through the book that week. We don't have a, a plan designed like read three chapters today and six tomorrow. We're just going to say, hey, when we're preaching on Genesis, we encourage you to read through it. But here's the thing. Sometimes we get caught up in the plan like that, and we're like, oh, I can't do that. That's like a lot of chapters to read at one time. And so we get overwhelmed, and so then we just stop, and we don't do it. Um, I'm, I'm not passionate about reading through the Bible in the year. I think it's a great thing, and if you're doing it, I, I want you to keep going, okay? But for some of us, that's not the plan that's going to work. Some of us, it's to go a little slower and take smaller sections at a time. One of my favorite ways of studying the Bible is what I call heading to heading. Now, the headings in the Bible are not there in the original text. They've been put in there by the, by the translators. But they give us some breakdowns of passages. So I love to work through a book, and I just read from one heading to the next. A little slower pace, but I slow it down, and I think a little bit more about that. So sometimes I'll do both, read through the Bible in a year, which this is what I did last year and what I'm doing this year. I'm going to read through the Bible in a year, but I also am going to have another time where I just take a, a smaller passage. I invite you to consider doing that. Maybe that's better for you to take, because it's not about a race, right? It's not about checking something off. It's about getting deeply rooted in the Word of God so that I can withstand the things that life brings and that I can be true in my calling of following Him as a disciple. And so that's what we should be thinking about when I read the Bible. It's like, oh, I just got to get this done so God's happy. That's the way it was when I was a kid. I got to do this so God will be happy with me. I might have a good football game if I'm good in the Word today. I might have a good uh, test score if I and read God's word today. That's not what it's about. Whatever, it, whatever works for you to get into the word so it gets deeply into your heart so you can know Jesus and know who he is and what he's done for you. So reading heading to heading, simple but important. Meaning, one thing I want you to, to take home today, meaning comes from the author. So when you're reading this, the first question you have to ask is what is the author saying? It's not what I think it says. It's what did the author mean when he said it? Sometimes we make it more complicated, like the Pharisees did when Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. That's not so hard to understand. It's hard to do, right? So Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself, and the Pharisees say, well, who's my neighbor? <laughs> they try to make it more complicated. Just what does it say? Just simply look at what does it say. A second question I like to ask is, why did God put this in the Bible? That's a different question. What does it say? Why did God put this in the Bible? And then the, the last one is, how does it apply to my life? That's a simple way to do it. If you want to go heading to heading and add another little twist to it and go a little deeper, here's the questions I like to ask when I do that. Now I've been asking, what does it say? Same thing. Why did God put this in the Bible? But now these next three questions are a little different. What does it tell us about the character and nature of God? The Word of God is telling us about the character and nature of God. So when I'm reading a passage, I should be asking myself, what is this telling me about his character and his nature? Then the next question I like to ask is, what does it tell us about salvation and how to be saved? Because the good news of the Bible is what? It's about how we can be saved and how we can know Jesus. And then the last question is, um, how does it, what does it tell us about how God desires us to live? I think the Bible can be kind of wrapped up into those three questions. What is the character and nature of God? What is the way of salvation which points us to Jesus so Jesus is always the center? And then what does God desire of me? How does he want me to live? How does he want me to treat you? How does he want me to interact with him? How does he want me to share the gospel? 
And then the last question again always is, how does it apply to my life? If I don't come to any kind of application, then I'm just reading it just to do it in an academic way. I need to come to a place of application. Now, all of these things, too, if you're saying, well, that's a lot of information, if you do, well, I send out a recap every Sunday, and so if you want to be a part of that recap, you can just fill out that Connect card and say um, the weekly email, and you can get a recap of, of all of this. Another simple way is maybe to pick a verse or a passage and meditate on it throughout the day. But let's bring it way down even smaller. Just take a verse. I'm just going to take this one verse. And that's what I'm going to think about today. I'm going to meditate on that. I'm going to pray through it. I'm going to try to memorize it. So we've gone all the way from reading the Bible to a year, through, through in a year, to going from, from heading to heading, all the way down to just a one verse. I'm just going to take a verse today. I can handle a verse today. Here's the thing. If you've never done this before, or if it's been a while, keep it simple. Start in a way that you can actually accomplish it. That's why I like one verse. If you haven't been in God's Word for a while, and you say, I could read a verse today. That's awesome. Read a verse. And read a verse tomorrow. And be in God's Word in whatever way can get you into it. Now, here's the last thing I want to just really practical, and this is from years of doing ministry, guys, is you're going to fail in whatever plan you have to get into God's Word. When you fail to keep your plan, don't give up. You just start again. It's one of the most phenomenal, and you've all... I'm sure you've all experienced this. And it's just kind of mind-blowing when you think about it, how we fall into that trap. But, hey, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to be in God's Word. And three days into it, I fail. I'm like, well, I blew it already. So the next day, well, I blew it yesterday, so why even start again? That's crazy, right? But that's what, that's what the enemy does. The enemy convin convinces us that, oh, you failed, so you might as well just stop. Why do we do that? You're going you're to fail. If you're going to read through the Bible in a year and you miss a week, I always tell people, don't catch up. Just start where you left off. You know, just, just start at, the, at the, the, where you're supposed to be that day. Because then we look, oh, I've got to catch up. And then you get a month behind. And, you, you know, we just, our minds do all kinds of crazy things. Here's the point. Figure out a way to get into God's word so that you can be that tree that the roots go down deep. And all that life brings, that tree isn't going to get blown over. That tree is going to bear fruit because it's firmly established in the Word of God. Because when we're firmly established in the Word of God, we know what His character is like. We know the way to salvation. We know the way that He is desiring us to live our lives. And those are the things that are going to lead us to blessedness. Knowing the character and the nature of God, what a blessing that we get to do that. Knowing the way to salvation, what a blessing that we get to know that way. Knowing the way that I'm supposed to live and treat people in a way that will honor God, what a blessing to be able to know that. We're blessed because we have the Word of God. So I just want to challenge you as we start this new year to kind of reignite your passion, your desire. And if you've already been doing it, just keep delighting in the Word of the Lord. Keep delighting in it. Keep going. If it's new for you, Figure out a way. I'd love to help you figure out some ways to do that in a way that you can do it and you can be successful in being in his word. But don't, don't forget, it's not about checking off a list. It's about knowing the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It's about knowing Jesus Christ. And it's about living as a disciple of his.